Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 29 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, very good. Okay, we're going to get straight into part one, of course, the review part, and we're going to talk about the fights that happened last Saturday. We're going to start over in Mexico. Jose Zapida, of course, he was the guy who fought Terry Flanagan when the WBO lightweight title was vacant. Of course, he picked up that horrible shoulder injury and his shoulder come out of place. And obviously, Terry Flanagan ended up picking up the world title. So yeah, Jose Zapita returned to the ring at 140 this time. So he's moved up from lightweight to super lightweight or light welterweight, whatever you want to call it, the 140 division. He picked up his 25th career win. He now has a record of 25-1. and one. So it's good to see Jose Zapida back in the mix, a good fighter nonetheless. That's it for Mexico. We're now going to go over to Puerto Rico, top of the bill over there, Felix Verdejo. He extended his win streak to 21-0 and 0 now. He retained and successfully defended his WBO Latino lightweight title. And that's really it for South America. We're now going to go over to the UK at the first direct arena in Leeds. Top of the bill, Josh Warrington. He looked to defend his WBC international featherweight title against Hisashi Amagasa. Now, of course, Amagasa pretty much known for dropping Guillermo Rigondo twice during their fight. Uh, Amagasa was really tall. It was pretty surprising seeing him next to Josh Warrington. Josh Warrington really looked tiny next to Amagasa. Very big, very tall at the weight. It was always going to be a pretty tough test, but of course, Josh Warrington prevailed once again. So he extends his winning record to 23-0 and now. Amagasa, again, he came and gave a really good account of himself. Shocking scorecards from one of the judges one of the judges gave it 120 to Josh Warrington 107 to Hisashi Amagasa so there was no knockdowns during the fight but he basically gave all of the rounds 10-9 in favor of of Josh Warrington and one round 10-8 in favor of Josh Warrington so disgraceful judging there um I don't really want to talk about the judging too much but really bad officiating on two of the fights on this particular bill so Josh Warrington nonetheless extends his winning record and Amagasa like I say gave a really good account of himself but he goes back with another loss on his record moving down the bill Stuart Hall of course the former world champion he moved to 20 wins professionally of course he's still got the four losses and the two draws he faced off against Rodrigo Guerrero a tricky fight this but a good fight for Stuart Hall if things were getting a bit rough and tumble in the third round Guerrero was cut on his left eye so um it was a bit messy I'm not sure if it was a punch I can't really remember now if it's a punch that caused that but a, a real a, a sort of fight that 
that I, I believe one of these guys was going to be getting one more crack, probably at a world title. Of course, Rodrigo Guerrero as well, a former world champion. So two former world champions got in the ring there. I'm not sure where Rodrigo Guerrero goes from here, but Stuart Hall had to go in deep waters during this fight. So it just proves his toughness. Moving down the bill, Martin J. Ward, he got out again. He defended successfully his WBC International Super Featherweight title against Ruddy Enk incarnation now this guy was given literally i believe three or four days uh notice for this fight and he, he did pretty well in parts of this fight of course martin j ward ended up winning the contest unanimously after 10 rounds but um of course martin j ward now 14 and oh with the two draws and ruddy incarnation his new record 36 wins 25 losses and four draws a lot of people weren't very impressed with martin j ward his performance wasn't outstanding for a guy that's lost this many fights so uh, a lot of people were expecting more from him but of course the guy that they believed they were going to be fighting pulled out of the fight i believe i'm not sure why but this guy came in as a late replacement and i think that maybe i don't want to be too harsh on martin i think that maybe he really wasn't expecting an opponent quite like this i know that he made it pretty ugly in patches of this fight as well now we're going to move down the bill. There's two more fights I want to mention on this card. Of course, Isaac Chamberlain, the prospect from Brixton, the cruiserweight prospect from Brixton. A lot of people moaning about he doesn't have knockout power. He doesn't have knockout power. I assured a lot of people that those knockouts will be coming soon. I know he's been doing a lot of work down at Miguel's gym on the power. And uh, of course, he was 3-0 and going into this fight against undefeated Russ Henshaw, who had a record of 6-0. and So somebody's O had to go. Isaac Chamberlain ended up picking up the win and he picked up his first career TKO professionally. So his record now 4-0 with the one knockout. Henshaw was down from a short right in the first round. And um, again, he was actually stopped in the in the last round. It was only scheduled for six rounds, this contest. But of course, he was he was stopped in the sixth round. Um, Chamberlain also actually had a point deducted in the second round for holding. A lot of people seem to have forgotten that. Again, this fight wasn't actually televised. A lot of people didn't get to see it. I think there's a few clips on YouTube. I believe it should be going on to Sky sky on demand on the tv so hopefully we can see that i'm not sure if it's up already or it'll be up soon so i'm looking forward to see that in full um also on that bill of course another prospect this time in the light heavyweight division jake ball he moved to five and oh with a points win after six rounds and that's really it for the uk we're now going to shoot straight over to the usa we had him on our show last week one of the smith brothers of course stephen smith he went out there to try and achieve a boyhood dream of becoming a world champion following in his brother Liam's footsteps. And of course, the way that the Smith brothers are going on, they're all going to be world champions soon. Jose Pedraza, really underrated, I think, to be totally honest. We saw him perform absolutely sensationally during parts of this fight. Jose Pedraza, of course, going into this fight unbeaten, 21-0. and 0. Stephen Smith was 23-1. and 1. It was a bit too tough for Stephen Smith in there. He did quite well as the, uh, uh, you know, in the latter part of the fight, but I kind of think that he, d- he did pretty well once he realised that he was, he was behind in the fight. Of course, Pedraza, really, really good fighter, to be honest. I, as I didn't know much about him before this. Uh, you know, I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert down at the super featherweight division because I'm really not. But were you impressed with what Pedraza brought to the table against against Stephen Smith? Yeah, I was very impressed for Pedraza. He was doing very good in the fight, like uh, jabbing him, jabbing him, jabbing him throughout the fight. He even knocked down Stephen Smith. 
And I thought before the fight, yeah, I thought, yeah, Stephen Smith's going to win this fight. But I'll tell you one thing, Pedraza has shocked a lot of boxing fans with that win. Yeah, I mean, like I say, he was the champion and we had Stephen Smith on the show last week. If anybody if anybody tuned in last week, they would have known about that. Of course, he was down in round nine and that really put the, put the stamp on it kind of thing, to be totally honest. I don't think after the knockdown, anybody had Stephen Smith in the fight. I know that the Sky commentators were quite honest on this fight and um, I'm not going to knock them at all. A lot of people say that they judge fights pretty biased, but I think they've done a decent job in this fight. So Stephen Smith, it was it was horrible to see him not actually achieve, of course, his lifelong ambition last Saturday. But you know he did a he put in a really good account of himself, and I believe he'll be back, and of course he'll be improved. You know it was an experience that money can't buy, so hopefully he can he can go back to the drawing board and come again stronger. Uh, moving down that bill, Gary Russell Jr. He defended his WBC World Featherweight title against Patrick Highland. Of course, again we had Patrick Highland on the show last week. It was very um, you know he didn't really seem to get going. Patrick Highland, Gary. Russell Jr. was sharp as anything. I believe he was coming off of about an 11-month layoff, Gary Russell Jr. So Patrick Highland was hoping that there might have been a little bit of ring rust. None whatsoever was the outcome. He was sharp as anything from the first bell, Gary Russell Jr. And he showed what a, what a really good fighter he is. A lot of people are squeezing him into their top 10 pound for pound now. I think I probably couldn't really argue with that. Gary Russell Jr. looked sensational, didn't he, Ayaz, if, if we're being completely honest. Although we, of course, both wanted Patrick Highland to get the win and pull off the upset. Gary Russell was just too good on the night. Oh, yeah. I can tell you for a fact he was very good on the night. He was very impressive at Gary Russell Jr. and obviously knocking out Patrick Highland the second round. Uh, Patrick Highland obviously wanted to win this world title. It's a dream. And Gary Russell Jr. obviously finished him. But a fight that I would like to see in the future is Gary Russell Jr. versus Lee Selby. That'd be a good fight. Of course, a lot of people have come out for that fight. But yeah, unfortunately, Patrick Highland couldn't do it. You know, it was it was, it was, was hard to see. You know, of course, he was down three times in that second round. Gary Russell put him down quite heavily two of those three times. So, but yeah, I really don't think that the referee done a bad job. I think he was right to stop the fight when he did. Uh, Patrick Highland, he, you know, he got up from the first two knockdowns pretty much straight away. You could see he was frustrated with himself for being caught like that. But Gary Russell, he's just too fast, just too powerful. And like I say, he showed a lot of power in that fight, a lot of power. He's not just quick hands. He's got a lot of power in those fists as well. So, again, a really, really good statement there from Gary Russell Jr. Because Patrick Highland's a good fighter. I'm telling you, he's a really good underrated fighter. Moving down that bill now, and really the last fight that we're going to mention on this bill Chad Dawson of course bad Chad Dawson he moved to 34 and 4 with a TKO in the fourth round against Cornelius White Chad Dawson we haven't really heard much of him lately since losing his light heavyweight crown he's kind of been in the shadows not much not much has been heard from him but he's come back with a statement here of course White was no mug and he he really dispatched of him in four rounds so a good win from Chad Dawson there uh, that's really it for Connecticut USA we're now going to mention our last bill 
of the review side of the show, we're now going to talk about the Glowacki versus Steve Cunningham card. Now, Glowacki, of course, defending his WBO cruiserweight world title. He, of course, was 25-0 and going into this fight. Steve Cunningham moving back down to cruiserweight. We've seen him at heavyweight. Now he's gone back down to the cruiserweight for this fight. So Cunningham was down twice in round two, and he was down once in round 10 and once in round 12. So he ended up losing unanimously. So Glowacki moved to 26-0. and 0. To be honest, I haven't seen much of Glowacki, okay? I haven't really studied him too much, but I was watching this fight. I was flicking in between Box Nation and Sky. I was really impressed with Glowacki. I think that Glowacki's actually really, really, really tough, you know, very strong, and he hits hard, you know, Cunningham. He's been down quite a few times, but he just wasn't able to deal with Glowacki. Of course, Glowacki is a southpaw as well. Cunningham seems to struggle with southpaws, but Glowacki, honestly, I want to see him in there with some some of the top guys up at Cruiserweight, and it'll be interesting to see how he fares against some of the other world champions out there. So I do want to see I do want to see something from him in the near future. Of course, Steve Cunningham, he's been in a lot of wars now. I don't really think he's Steve Cunningham from perhaps four or five years ago, but um, nonetheless, it was a good win for Glowacki, another good name for his record. And unfortunately, of course, you know, Steve Cunningham, really, really, really nice guy, one of the best guys in boxing, so I've heard. He didn't manage to become victorious, but going down that bill, Errol Spence Jr., he faced off against what I thought was going to be a pretty tough test in Chris Algieri. Of course, Chris Algieri had those two losses, one to Pacquiao, one to Amir Khan. Errol Spence Jr. extended his win streak to 20-0 and with a TKO in the fifth round so he's managed to get Chris Algieri out of there before the decision so he managed to get him out in the fifth round Ayers that's a bit of a statement from Errol Spence Jr of course Pacquiao couldn't do that Amir couldn't do that a lot of people are very very hot on Errol Spence Jr right now what's your take on on the man himself I'll tell you one thing he made a huge statement in the 147 division right when he fought Pacquiao Pacquiao knocked him down six times and he still got up to fight Amir Khan could even drop him right Pacquiao or Khan could even stop him, right? Errol Spence, right? He's a huge prospect. He he not he made a big thing by knocking out Algeri, right? This made him now in the final eliminate for the IBF title for Kale Brook, which is going to be a very good fight if he if he fights uh, when he has one more fight for the IBF eliminator. Yeah, I do want to see that fight between Kale Brook and Errol Spence Jr. Um, I know that you're a big Brook fan. I'm a big Brook fan as well. Right now, who would you have in that fight, Ayers? Who do you reckon would win that fight if they were to fight, you know, in, as their next fights? If Brook fought Errol Spence, I'll go for a Brook win on points. Yeah, I don't... Oh, it's a tough one. I'm going with Brook. I'm definitely going with Brook. Um, I don't really... I, I think I might sound a bit silly if I came out and said that Brook would knock him out. We haven't seen any vulnerabilities from Errol Spence, but Brook is a good fighter, man. He really is. But definitely, I go with Brook. Probably, yeah, you're probably right with that one, Ayers, to be totally honest. Also on that bill, Marcus Brown. He was in a very tough fight against undefeated Kaladzic. Kaladzic had a record of 21-0 and going into this fight. Marcus Brown, of course, with a record of 17-0. and It was a split decision in favour of Kaladzic. Kaladzic was down in round one, and Brown was also down in, the, in in that fight. I'm not too sure what what round it was now, but Kaladzic, apparently he shouldn't have been down in that first round. Again, I was flicking between Sky and Box Nation. I actually missed the, the knockdown. Apparently, it shouldn't have been called a knockdown. But yeah, Marcus Brown managed to get the split decision in his favour, so he now moves to 18 and 0. Somebody's 0 had to go, and unfortunately, it was Kaladzic's. But... um. 
Marcus Brown, a lot of people trying to call that it was a bit of a hometown decision here and he definitely didn't deserve the win. I can't really comment too much on it. Like I say, I was, I was switching between both channels, so unfortunately I didn't get to study it properly. But that's really it for the review part on this week's show. We're now going to bring on our first guest. Okay, now it's time for guest number one on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome undefeated light heavyweight prospect, Mr. Jake Ball. Jake, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you very much. How are you all doing? Yeah, very good, very good. Thank you. You were fighting last weekend on the undercard of Josh Warrington versus Amagasser in Leeds. It's the first time you've gone to points in your five contests. Usually you blow people out within the first two rounds. You went six with this guy. How important is it for you to go and get some rounds and gain some priceless experience early on as a pro? You said it there. Um, the rounds is priceless experience. You, you can't um, you can't fake experience. So so to get a good um. A good quality six rounds in, I was over the moon with it. It's a little bit early, obviously. The fight was just 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 a couple of days ago, really. Um, when are you out next? Have you got any idea of that at the moment, Jake? No, well, I, um, I actually spoke to Eddie. Um, I find out, I find out, like I should be like towards probably towards the end of this week, but I should imagine, I should imagine it'll probably be. I, I think it's going to be around June time. Of course, there's there's a lot of rumours that that Joshua is supposed to be fighting on the 25th of June. Do you hope to be on that bill at all? Yeah, well, it'd be it'd be great to be back in London because like my last three fights, um, I've been away. I've been Liverpool, Birmingham, and Leeds. So um, so yeah, so it'd be fantastic to be back in London, back to um, so so basically all of my home supporters can um can come and see me again. For those that may not know your boxing style too well, what boxer from history would you say you perhaps try to emulate or have a similar style to? When I was like, when I boxed amateur, and I've had a lot of people say key part of my armory is is my jab, and a lot of people say like I've got a sort of Tommy Earns jab, like long, spun, sharp, um, stinging shot. So yeah, so um, I think obviously he's a tall, long, long range boxer like myself, but can mix it as well if he has to, which which I've done the weekend. If you if you see the fight, yeah, so um. It's not really. I think. I think I. I probably pick a few. Uh, like I probably got a bit. A bit of a, a few different fighters. I, I wouldn't just be the exact same as just one. I like to try and try and pick the best bits out of a few different fighters. Yeah, that's probably the best anyway. Um, now, of course, you know you've sparred with the likes of James DeGaulle. Um, you know, of course, he's a world champion. Is there any other top names that you've sparred with that we may know of? Yeah, I've sparred um, like Billy Joe Saunders. Uh, uh, what was it? I think it was uh, whilst I was sparring James for his his derail fight. I was also sparring Nick Blackwell at the time, and um, and 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 a lot of the other boys are just like obviously like in 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 around the gyms where, where I train that there's like a lot of like same with myself like undefeated prospects coming up and and like and also I also had like a couple of the GB boys come over, um, sparring as well. Okay, so some serious, serious guys in the sparring. Um, I just wanted to touch on, on this show, sometimes we, we do like a little news bit where we talk about the news from this week of boxing. There was a bit that we missed out on the news and it was about Nick Blackwell. He's decided that that's, you know, he's, he's going to call it a day and that's going to be it. And rightly so after what we saw, um, you just reminded me by bringing up his name. How do you feel about that whole situation? Obviously, what we've seen. Yeah, no, well, I was there at the fight. I was there at I'm good friends with Nick. Um, since um since we first started sparring, I think it was like middle of last year, like we kept in contact. We sparred quite a few quite a few times. 
and um, honestly, he is an absolute, an absolute gentleman. But um, and and this is a shame, absolute shame, um, for what happened. But it's boxing; it's one of them things. Um, but I think I think he, he's done, he's done, he's done the right move, calling it a day. You know what I mean? He's only, he's still a young man, and um, I'm pretty sure he'll still be mixed in and around the boxing somewhere. So um, he'll still have have his foot in there, um, doing something. But yeah, but um, but listen, I, I wish him all the best for the future. Yeah, absolutely, of course. Now, domestically, there are a lot of guys out there at domestic level, uh, the likes of Bob Ajisaf, Jose Burton, Miles Shinquin in your division, Tom Baker. I know it's still early days for you at the minute. You're still, you're still, you know, learning the pro game. But is there anyone that you've got your eye on at all? No, nah, the thing is, I'm um, at, at the minute, stayed on at my career at the minute. Like I'm five and zero. Um, for me, it's all about gaining experience. All about gaining experience, just, just get. Um, just building that, that, that them rounds up, um, you know, being in good top quality fights, and then and then once I've once I've done that, so like, once I've built them rounds up and I'm in those ten round fights and twelve round fights, which are which um which I'm hoping to, like, hopefully by the end of this year be fighting for a title, if not um beginning of next year, then then I'll be have my eyes set on obviously the, the lads at the top of the division at the moment. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about world level at light heavyweight at the moment. It seems like we're never going to see it, but if we are to see Kovalev against Adonis Stevenson, who do you think wins that fight, Jake? Uh, for me, it's Kovalev. Like, like, like when I was amateur, like, I've always, like, I've always, I've watched all his fights. I love his style. I, I think he's um, not only got a lot of power, but he, he, he's got a brilliant boxing brain. Like he's a lovely boxer, so. I think he'll just um just outbox Adonis myself personally, and then obviously once he starts landing the big shots. Which thing is, it's one of the things where Adonis has got has got a nasty punch himself. So if he lands, then listen, they're both big boys. You know what I mean? It, it, it can be a game changer. But um, if I was a bit on there, I'd have I'd have um Crusher doing that. Yeah, I think I would too, to be totally honest. And also, a lot of people are now talking about it since he's moved up. Andre Ward, if he were to face, let's say, uh, let's say Kovalev were to beat, in some sort of fantasy world, Kovalev were to beat um, Adonis Stevenson and then he was to face Andre Ward, who do you see winning that one, Jake? I've got, I've got a feeling that Ward would probably, I reckon Kovalev would probably fight Ward before he'd fight Stevenson. Um, but uh, let's see, that's another one. I watched Ward fight the other day. Um, I thought it looked well. He, like, um, he, like, he, he boxed very well against a very, a very, a very good opponent. Didn't look. I didn't. I didn't uh, personally, I don't think he looked as good as what, as what he did at the super middle. But it's his first fight. Like he's been very, um, hasn't, hasn't been active for I think for two or three years. Um, he's against a very, very good tough light heavyweight. Obviously, the move up and weight, he's adjusting to it. But I think um, give him a couple, uh, a, a couple more fights. Um, it's, it's, it's a close fight. It all depends. I like Ward. I've always been a fan, a fan of Ward. I think he's absolutely just. I think I think he's one of the best boxers in the world. So I think I would um, probably edge towards Ward for that one. What a fight! What a fight! I really, I really yeah, hope it does. I hope it does end up happening. All right. Now the last question I've got for you, Jake, is I just wanted to know like your wish list for the rest of 2016. Where do you want to be come come December time? Come the end of the year? Well, end of the year. Um, Last fight of this year, I, I, I want to be in some sort of title fight. So I literally, literally, well, I'm pretty sure I will. I, I, I want to end the year on a high. I, I, I want to end the year um, with a title, otherwise. 
not fussed on, on, on what title it is, but yeah, um, 100%, uh, I'll have a title by, 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 the end of, by the end of this year. Absolutely. Okay, listen, Jake, it's been a real pleasure having you on the Box Hard podcast this week. It's always good to hear from one of our brightest prospects in the country. We wish you all the best for the rest of 2016 and we'll no doubt speak again soon. No, perfect, mate. Thank you very much. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. Of course, this part is the preview. We're going to start with the fight that's taking place on Friday. There's a little card over in Italy that I want to mention. Leonard Bundu, he fights for the vacant EBU European welterweight title. Of course, Leonard Bundu, we've seen him in there with the likes of Frankie Gavin and also Keith Furman as well. So Leonard Bundu, 32-1. and with the two draws, of course, that one loss was to Keith Furman. He faces Jussi Kavulu, who has a record of 19 wins, two losses, and one draw. Again, I know nothing about his opponent whatsoever. Never heard of him. But Leonard Bundu, a really tough fighter, of course. He's about 42 or 43, but really, really, really tough guy. But yeah, of course, if he does pick up this EBU European title, as it will probably attract a lot of attention from some of the guys in Europe, of course. Frankie Gavin might want a little rematch over there. I've seen a little bit of back and forth between them on Twitter this week. Lena Bundu quite respectable in some of the stuff he said back to Gavin. I can't really remember, so I'm not going to paraphrase what was being said, but Leonard Bundu, he was basically saying stuff along the lines of, look, I've got a fight coming up. I'm concentrating on my fight. Maybe we'll get something on in the future. So, um, Again, yeah, like I say, Leonard Bundu, he's, he's he's old, he's a veteran a bit in the game now. No one really looks great against him. He's only got the one loss, of course. He lost pretty bad to Keith Furman. But what I'm saying is he will probably land himself quite a big fight with a big name and he'll get a bit of money for doing it if he picks up this belt. Eyes. What do you reckon? Who would you like to see him in with? Maybe from some of the guys over here at Welterweight, some of the guys you know, not really on the world scene at the moment. I'm not saying they're not capable of it, but Frankie Gavin, of course, there's that rematch there. Maybe even Bradley Skeet. I'd like to see Bradley Skeet against Bundu. I think that'd be a tough fight for Bradley Skeet. So uh, there's a lot of fights that that he's going to attract if he does pick up this title, which he probably will. Yeah, um, if that fight, uh, uh, if he wins, I'd like to see a fight with the rematch with Bundu and Frankie Gavin. I think it'd be a very interesting fight to see. Yeah, it'd be good for Frankie Gavin to write that wrong. But yeah, moving away from Italy, we're now going to go over to the Philippines. Over there, Nonito Donaire, he defends his WBO World Super Bantamweight title. He defends it against Salt Bedak. Again, somebody I do not know too much about, but Nonito Donaire, 36 wins and three losses. His record, of course, former pound-for-pound fighter Nonito Donaire. And his opponent, of course, Bedak, has a record of 25 wins and one loss. So it'd be good to see Nonito Donaire get out again. I personally think he's way past his best. I'd like to see him in there with Carl Frampton, to be totally honest. It'd be interesting to see who'd win that fight. But now we're going to leave Philippines. We're going to go straight over to to California and this is the last card that we're going to talk about on the preview side of the show there's really not much to preview this week unfortunately we're going to start with the undercard we're going to start with Chocolatito Roman Gonzalez 44-0 and the WBC World Flyweight Champion he faces McWilliams Arroyo who has a record of 16 wins and 2 losses Roman Gonzalez I as undoubtedly one of one of the top fighters in the world really a lot of people he sneaked 
sneaking into their top three pound for pound list if you take Mayweather out of it and even Pacquiao out of it due to retirement. Roman Gonzalez, of course, 38 knockouts in that 44 wins, which is a lot for a flyweight, really, when you think about it. Where does Roman Gonzalez fit into your pound for pound list, Ayaz? I'll put him number one. I'll put him number one. I reckon he's a very good fighter and very talented. So you put? Would you put him number one if Floyd was still around, or is that because is that in the absence of Floyd and Pacquiao? Um, in the, it's because of the absence of Floyd and Pacquiao. But yeah, undoubtedly he's he's a good fighter. I mean, I'd like to see him in there with you know with I, I don't to be honest, I don't know much about his opponent. Maybe his opponent's a world beater. I'm not too sure, but I'd like to see him in there. I'd like to see him in a couple of unifications. I know he's got he's got that WBC belt, that all important belt. But yeah, Roman Gonzalez, a, a real top fighter and really interesting. You know, these lower weights. A lot of people like to like to hate on the lower weight classes, and they say that they're boring. They're not boring. They're fast. You know, they not all of the time we see devastating knockouts but this guy brings that to the table so really interesting fighter and now of course the main event the main event triple g defends his wba ibf interim wbc and ibo world middleweight titles so the collector of many belts now of course 34 and 0 with 31 knockouts he faces dominic wade 18 and 0 with 12 knockouts again somebody's O has to go these guys have a combined record of 52 and 0 that's better than mayweather guys that's better than mayweather what do you think about this fight i as gennady golovkin dominic wade dominic wade of course got himself in the position for this fight to be possible do you think he's got any chance against golovkin i'll tell you one thing i'm going for a golovkin knockout this guy, Golovkin, is an animal, right? Uh, Mike, Wade's going to take him rounds, but I reckon in the third or fourth round, he's going to get stopped. Let's do predictions. We don't do them too much on this on this podcast. We, we, you know, we don't really like to like to do that. Some people get a bit get a bit funny with that sort of stuff. But if we're going to do predictions on it, let's do it. We're both we're both going to agree on the fact that Golovkin's going to win this fight by knockout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's okay. correct. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for round seven. Something in my head is saying round seven. Um, you, you you can only pick one round. I ask, what, what round do you say that Golovkin's going to stop Dominic Wade in? Round five. You're going for round five. I'm going for round seven. Okay, we'll see. We'll see next week who who manages to get the win. Of course, if it if it comes in the first, second, third, or fourth round, then it's you know they're they're your rounds as well. Um, if there if it's anything after seven, I can claim some of them. So we'll see who gets closest to that if we don't get it bang on. But yeah, nonetheless, it's good to see Golovkin out again. Golovkin, as you said, I as he he really is a beast. He's he's a monster. He's 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 incredible. He's literally, I think, he's my favourite fighter in in world boxing right now. I love watching Golovkin. He's he's incredible. He he kind of reminds me of. It's, you know, you've got to hear why I'm going to say this before I say it, but he reminds me of Prince Nassim Hamid in the way that Prince Nassim Hamid would throw these punches from strange angles and all of his punches carried so much power. Golovkin seems to do that. He throws punches. Sometimes he punches. He'll throw like a, a dipping hook that comes up and ends up sort of landing. He swings it almost like an overhand hook. He, he, he throws some strange, strange punches and all of his punches, if he catches you clean with it, you're going on the canvas and you're probably not getting up. Golovkin, like I say, he really can hit and he, you know, 
we've all heard all sorts of stories about him sparring in the gym and stuff like that. Um, you know, whether they're true or not, it's, we're never going to know. But Golovkin, an absolute animal, as you said, and I cannot wait to see him fight again. Dominic Wade, I don't want I don't want people to kind of overlook him because he's he's actually a good fighter. You know, he's he's managed to get an eighteen and zero record. Not everybody can do that type of thing, but. Golovkin really is something else, and we're going to see levels on Saturday night, like I say. But may the best man win. I, I don't. I don't want to be hating on Dominic Wade or anything like that. But Golovkin, you know, he's he's an animal, isn't he? I mean, I'm I'm trying to sort of get my words out, but I keep saying the same thing. He's an animal. He's a beast. There's no other word to describe him as. He's just. He simply is. He's a, he's just a machine. He's a knockout machine. That's what I'm telling you. He's a knockout machine. He's like a little Mike Tyson. Yeah, he's like a, he is like a little Mike Tyson, like a middleweight Mike Tyson. But yeah, we're going to leave it there. That's the end of the preview part. We're now going to bring on our second guest. Okay, now it's time for our second guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome yet another hot prospect in British boxing. It's O'Hara Davies. O'Hara, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Okay, now, of course, you're coming off of your first 10-rounder. You fought for the vacant English lightweight title. As per usual, you got the knockout, five knockouts on the spin now. How does it feel Uh, to be English champion? Um, To be honest, I feel normal, to be honest. like I don't feel like I've achieved anything. I feel like once I've won a world title or a British one, at at least, that's when I feel like I've I've, um, achieved something. But to get the English, I didn't feel any different. I just went home, went to bed. I didn't have a celebration meal or nothing. Um, I just got right back into the gym to start working on my next fight onto bigger and better things now. You knew well before the first bell that you were levels above Andy Keats. Do you mm-hmm. feel that you underestimated him at all? Mm, I feel like I did because like, because of how much this fight meant for him, he came into this fight a lot fitter and a lot better than he did in his past fights. So, because um, um, I saw like a few of his fights online on YouTube, so I was making my whole judgment on him based on those fights. But then on fight night, he was a totally, he was a totally different fighter. Um, he was a lot more fit than I thought. He was throwing a lot more punches than I thought. And he had a lot more heart than I thought he had. I caught him with like some good shots and he didn't go down and he kept on fighting. And that's not what I really expected from him. But then again, it was the biggest show that he's ever fought on. And it was live on box office. So then he came into the fight with the mindset, like, if I win this fight, then I'm up there. So he trained really hard. And I know that he trained hard for that fight. Ultimately, you still got the knockout, though. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, was, I think I was a bit too good for him. I was, I was, a, I was, a, I was a few levels past him. So, um, yeah. But Fair I expected... Fair point. Um, I know that it's it's only fresh. We're we're only like a matter of days really after the fight. Um, yeah. Do you know what's next for you? Do you know when you're next out at all? Um, I'll be out next on the next Joshua cards. Um, I can't announce the date yet until Eddie does or the whereabouts of it. But um, it should be announced this week. But um, I'll be on the undercard of the of the next Joshua fight. It'll be in it'll be in London. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, another big bill to shine yeah. on. Um, exactly. Lightweight's obviously one of the hottest divisions in Britain right now. We've got the likes uh-huh. of obviously Luke Campbell, Ricky Burns, Anthony Crawler, Terry Flanagan. I know that you've only just picked up your first professional title, but how long until we see you in those types of fights, O'Hara? Um, the sooner the better. Um, I've been speaking to Eddie, so like he just really wants to get me a good opponent on my next fight, and then from then we can go on and I can start fighting top-level fighters. But um, I'm ready for it now. At the moment, I'm ready to fight anyone. 
I'm ready to fight any lightweight out there right now. And um and Eddie knows that but but then again you have to take it step by step. So that's why like I've got the English now, so my next fight I wanted to be against a fighter that has a good that has a good name. So then um after that I can just keep on on going up the ranks and then I'll be up there with the fighters that you just named. Now, I know that you've done a lot of sparring with some of the top guys domestically. Of course, you've sparred a few rounds with Ricky Burns. Is there anyone else yeah. other than Ricky Burns that you've, that you've shared the ring with in sparring? Um, yeah, um, I sparred Kevin Mitchell. Well, that's when he was in camp. Now he's not boxing it anymore. Um, I sparred Conor Ben, who's really good. I sparred Ted Cheeseman, another good fighter. Um, I sparred a few amateurs. I've been up in Sheffield sparring with a few of the guys in the GB, um, GB squad. So, um, yeah, my sparring's been quite good. Yeah, so they've all been good. Yeah, OK. Now, I know that you've you've got a little bit of a beef at the moment going on with Romeo Romeo. How did this yeah. start, O'Hara? How did this start? How did it start? Um, he's just a person that I've never liked. Even when I was in that gym, I never liked him. And um, now that I'm, I've, I've got a new coach and he's got a new coach, it's just like I can finally voice my feelings for him. I've... Because I've I've never liked him. He's just weird. So um, he's someone that I just like to I just I just I just like to, I just like to punch him in the face, really. So but, um, yeah, but with, yeah, yeah, he's 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 just a person that I just like to punch in the face, and I'm sure that I'm not the only one. But there's a few, but there's a lot of others out there that feel that same way about him. But I'm just the only one that's approached him and that really wants to fight him. A lot of people might feel uh, he's weird, he's a prick, but they but they don't really want to fight him. But I've come out and said I want to fight him. Matching have um that they've put enough for him. They've been offering him that the money that they offered has been really good. So they offered him to fight me on the next Joshua undercard, and um they were just waiting to hear back from him right now. Well, that's a that's a definitely a fight I'd like to see. I hope that does come off. Um, me too. O'Hara, is there anyone from the past that 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 you try to base your style on? Is there anyone that you try to emulate from the past of boxing at all? Uh, Floyd Mayweather is the one that I've always looked up to, and um. Uh, my boxing style is I've always tried to fight like him and tried to make it based around him. But as you get older, you start to realise that the people that you looked up to is that you're not them. You're different weight, your body structures different, and um, everything. So now I'm just really trying to find my own. I'm trying to find my own place now, my own kind of style. Now, of course, Eddie Hearn, you know, at the moment, he's, his stable is absolutely booming. Um, you're, yeah. you're, of course, a part of that. Do you, he's got a lot yeah. of prospects as well, undefeated, coming up just like yourself. Do you think that you're yeah. probably his, his brightest prospect out of the bunch? Um, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. I have no idea. He's got a lot of other people that are good. You know, we've got Ted, we've got me, we've got Connor, and we're, and we're all good. We're all good, and... Um, I don't know the answer to that question, to be honest. It's all, it's all down to opinion, I guess. Everyone believes that one person might be better than the other or a bigger prospect than the other. But I'm not, I'm not really sure. I haven't really thought about that. I've only been... I, I only really think about the people that are in my weight class and, and that I want to fight them and beat them and be number one. Fair enough, fair enough. That's uh, quite humble of yourself there, O'Hara. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> okay, I'm going to pass you over to Ayaz now. He's got a couple of questions for you. So I'm going to pass yeah. him over. Ayaz, if you bring yourself in. Hello, O'Hara. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. All good. Um, right, O'Hara. There's a big fight coming up in your uh, division. Um, Crawler versus Ishmael Barroso. Who do you see winning that yeah. fight? Uh, I don't know. I have, that fight's going to be really tough. Anthony, Anthony Crawler's really fit. He worked hard in the gym all the time. 
and he's got the heart and and he really wants it. But that Barossa, he's like a hungry fighter. Isn't he's not really like he's not really kind of recognised. Like people don't really know about him. So he's more thinking: if I win this fight, then I'm then I'm up there. I've, I'm gonna start earning the money now and all that stuff. So he definitely has. So he's he's. I say that he's a lot more hungry than Anthony than and like than Anthony is only because of the circumstances that he's in right now and the situation. But the fight's gonna be a really tough fight, and I don't know who's gonna win. I have no idea. I I probably say it's a fifty-fifty fight. To be honest, I believe, okay. I believe it's a good, yeah. And Jacoel has definitely got much more experience than what the other guys got. But then again, like that, you can't. I can't really make a judgment based on that. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. It's, it's one of the things that you have to have to see and um see who wins. Have you you sparred Junior Cyber before? Haven't you in the past? Yeah, I sparred him a few times. We trained because we had the same coach at the Peacock gym when I was there. What's and, he like um, as yeah. a fighter, like when you spied him? When I spied him, he was sharp. Definitely, I say he's a, he's like the sharpest guy that I've ever sparred with. Oh, wow, sharp, I mean good. that he's got a very sharp. I mean that he's got a sharp mind, able to see shots fast and to hit back fast and to counter. Um, yeah, so he's definitely just the, like the sharpest guy that I sparred. Um, he was a lot lighter than me, but the guy also hits hard. So he was he's um the fighter that I really rate. Someone that I really rate. Obviously, Eddie Hearn keeps saying Kell Brook needs to fight a big name. From your opinion, who would you like to see Kell Brook fight? And um, I'd like to see Kell Brook fight against Evel Spence. Yeah, I Evel Spence versus Chris Algieri um, over the weekend. Um, Evel Spence fought a great fight. Um, Evel Spence actually won a stoppage win, which I made Khan couldn't do, and what Manny Pacquiao couldn't do against Chris Algieri. So Evel Spence, he definitely showed himself as a world-class fighter, just just from that one fight. I think that to see him in Kell Brook next, he'll show us where he stands and where Kell Brook stands. So that's definitely a fight that um, that, I, that I do want to see in the near future. Finally, May 7th, also the uh, the fight between Amir Khan and Saul Canelo Alvarez. Who do you see winning that fight and why? I see Alvarez winning. Alvarez is way too big, way too strong too. He's got a good chin and um, I see. I think that he'll win. I feel I feel like he'll probably get beat in the first few rounds, but then... Um, Amekan can run, but he can't hide. Like this is a 12-round fight. Amekan isn't meant to be that way. Um, I I, feel, I reckon that Alvarez would would win a stoppage win. I say, I say round seven, round eight. Okay, thank you, O'Hara. I'll pass you back to Joey. Okay. Perfect. Okay, O'Hara. Literally the last thing I want to ask you now. I just huh? want to ask your wish list for the rest of 2016. Where do you want to be at the end of the year? You know, come December time. Um, where do I want, I want to be? Um, I just want to have a lot more money in the bank than I've got now. I don't really care about who I fight, when I fight. As so long as I'm financially better, that's, that's all I care about. Um, it's a business and um, I'm just about getting paid and making all the money that I can. So I can look after myself and my family and make sure that we're all good. But in regards to boxing terms, who do I want to fight is, a, is the fighter that I'll get paid most fighting against. That's what I really care about at the moment, to be fair. Absolutely, absolutely. Listen, I just want to say thank you for giving us a bit of time uh, this week. I wish you the absolute best of luck for the rest of 2016. We'll be watching you very closely here on the Box Hard Podcast. Thank you mm-hmm. for giving us a bit of time, O'Hara. Take care, my friend. Thanks very much. Okay, now, of course, if you've been listening this far, you'll know that we completed part one, which consisted of the review segment and the interview with Jake Ball. We then moved over to part two, where we've done the preview segment and the interview with O'Hara Davies. We're now going to welcome our third and final guest. 
Okay, now it's time for guest number three on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome another really bright prospect in the UK boxing scene. Of course, fresh off his win on the Josh Warrington undercard on Saturday, it's Isaac Chamberlain. Isaac, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up? <laughs> what's up, what's up? Okay, what's of up? course... <laughs> As I as I as I said, you fought on the Josh Warrington undercard against undefeated six and zero Russ Henshaw. How did it feel in there, Isaac? Uh, yeah, it felt great. Um, I wasn't a hundred percent because you know when the fight got announced, you know I had the flu. Cause two weeks before, I kind of fractured and bruised my rib, you know. So I was going in with all of these stuff in my head, but I was thinking to myself, I have to take this fight because if I pull out. Obviously, people will chat rubbish, saying, oh, yeah, he's running from a proper test, blah, blah, blah. But even though I've been having a proper test all my career so far, um, he would have been saying that. And I don't know when I would have been fighting again because I had a long layoff, you know, since October. So I was like, listen, I've got to take this fight, man. I have no other choice. i got to go in there. Even if I broke my leg, i got to still go in and fight. Do you know what I mean? But um, it was a great, great fight. Like, he really came, he gave everything, you know, he gave his all. And um, I had to use my mind and use my skills. And in between the rounds, I was really thinking to myself, so I was thinking, like, listen, I can never, like, go home and tell my little brothers and that, that I lost, you know, that their big brother lost the fight. Like, nah, you know, and that that's what kept me going, even though, because the first round he hit him, he hit me uh, right on my rib you know, where it was hurting and stuff. Pain, like the excruciating pain, but you know, you gotta you gotta show the big bulls man, you gotta carry on through that, you know, not even show him. Do you know what I mean? So it was really, you know, really hard. Like it was a really hard fight, but it was a good fight, great experience. You know, it shows that I belong at the top. Also, again, like like you you obviously know, a lot of your fights before, it's been hard to see them. They haven't been on the TV. I, th- I think one of them was on Fight Pass before. You know, it's, it, we've had to go on YouTube and see some of it. I haven't seen this one uploaded to the Sky On Demand bit yet. I checked yesterday. But um, the little clips that I have seen, you seem to be showing a lot of counter-punching, something that maybe a lot of fans boxing fans didn't really know was your style but you seem to be I saw a lot of times where you was counter punching him is that something you've been working on all of a sudden or is that something you've been doing your, you know your whole career no that's something I've been doing my whole career but against journeyman you can't do it because they don't throw punches you know I'm not there to be fighting no punch bag when I need to fight live opposition that are coming to win and then that's why I got that result you know got the knockout because he comes to win. I'm a great counter puncher. I fight great on the inside and the outside. I'm one of those type of guys where I'm in the gym, you know, I study my craft. And if I'm good at something, I won't just focus on that. That's what some certain people do. Well, me, I'm good at something. I want to see what am I not good at and how can I make it better. Before, I I couldn't really throw body punches. But now, I'm, I'm hitting to the body and I was hurting him to the body. You know, he was making them sound like, Every time I hit into the body up close, you know, I was countering, going to the body, countering, going to the head, you know, so I was, it was really smart. And I think the most important thing in that fight, yeah, the first round, like the reflexes, like they were so on point, you know, the step back and the right, the slip and the right hand. And, you know, I was slipping most of his punches, nearly all of his punches, nothing really landed to the head. That's why I kind of came out with no scars, no bruises on my face. 
you know, but my body was <laughs> kind of hurting because he was pounding it all night. But, you know, it was sharp, it was smart, you know. Um, I'm kind of proud of that performance. Obviously, you've picked up your first career KO. A lot of people criticised the fact that you hadn't knocked any of your first four opponents out. I knew that in time, the knockouts would come, would start coming along. Have you noticed that you're punching harder than before whilst in the gym at all? Yeah, definitely. I was punching hard. I was dropping guys and sparring, you know, and I was thinking, why well, got this happened in the fight? <laughs> you know, I was dropping guys. I was, I was hitting harder. You know, my coach kept getting angry at me because, you know, his hands started to hurt you know, on the pads. But it was just a matter of, you know, hard work and dedication. I was working twice as hard. I was working much, much harder than before. You know, before I kind of took it as a joke, you know, kind of. But I was working. But now, I, this, this is life and death, man. You know, it's, it's, this is really serious business. And I was working really, really hard. And it finally paid off because I, I was working hard to the point where I was thinking, you know, does hard work really pay off? Because I'm doing... I'm working harder than all of these guys. I mean, these guys are having fighting nobodies and dropping them and, you know. But maybe it's the division I'm in because they're big guys, they're beasts at the division. Maybe it's the division that I'm in, you know, they're tough, tough, tough guys. And guys in the lightweight division or welterweight division, they, they have these gentlemen that just walk off the street or something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, well, you know, when I, when I finally, when I dropped him in that first round, you know, I slipped. The, um, the jab hit him. He just fell, fell, dropped instantly. Like that, that fought Floyd Mayweather pulled out, and uh, I was just like, wow, you know, like it didn't even feel like a hard punch. I just, it, I just checked his chin, and then it just dro- he just dropped, you know. And so I was like, wow, you know, the power's there. And then I knocked him, I knocked him out with a left hook. The left hook was what started all the trouble for him. He started going, you know. So that means it shows that I can punch in both hands, was it the right hand and the left hook. So um, I'm trying to keep this momentum going, you know, trying to keep this momentum going and then work on the strength training. You know, I'm going to do some pull-ups and weights and that later on this week. But I'm not fully back into the gym until like Monday, Tuesday. I'm just going to do some weights and stuff just to pass time because I'm kind of bored because I've got nothing to do other than being in the gym, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Now I know it's only a couple of days after the fight, but have you got any idea when you're next out, Isaac? Um, hopefully the uh, Anthony Joshua title defense. Yeah, the old two. You know, we were t- they were talking. He was talking about that after the fight because he said, like this fight was crazy exciting. You know, we both put it all on the line. Credit to Russ Henshaw, he's a phenomenal. Like, listen, I tell you, yeah, he will beat most of the prospects. Like, right now, he'll beat most of them. But because of the fact that I trained my ass off, I trained so hard. I was doing so much training, thousand steps a day, and running, running, running hills. And I was doing all of that. I was training like a real world champion for this fight. No matter what, it doesn't even matter if I had the flu or the rib hurts. I was just, I was putting in miles. I was putting in rounds, 10 rounds, 7 rounds, 8 rounds all day, every day. I was putting in so much work. But I think, you know, he'll definitely be a lot of the prospects today. You know, like, he was tough. And I know how tough I am, you know, because, you know, I've been, I've been sparring with some big punches. I'm, I'm I'm a tough guy. And the fact that he tried to break me down and it showed that I, I have the balls and the heart to carry on and go through, you know, to keep punching even though you're tired like that. 
But it was an amazing experience, you know, and Eddie loved it. And he was like, yeah, we're going to put you on a big show to show everybody the type of talent that you have. The reflexes were there, the skill was there. But imagine, but they thought I was just skilled with no heart. And I showed them that I got the heart to go with the skill. You know, Ali even said the will has to be stronger than the skill. You know, so I'm just going to keep working hard in the gym and it will all pay off in the win. Yeah, I hope that that does come off for you. Now, um, of course, me and you spoke before the Joshua fight. We both thought that he might, you know, Charles Martin might be a little bit of a tricky customer for him. Absolutely, we couldn't have been any more wrong. He demolished him. Um, what did you think about that fight, Isaac? Was you, I mean, obviously, you was no doubt disappointed with Charles Martin, but how do you think Joshua yeah. performed? We didn't really get to see how he performed, you know. Like, he just, he just, he just hit him and he dropped. He sat down for six million. <laughs> That's basically what he done. Uh, yeah, man. We didn't even get to see a fight. Like, I was expecting him to put up a bit more of a fight, but remember in other interviews, Charles Martin said he's only in boxing for the money. And obviously, Eddie Ed gave him that life-changing money, you know, six million pounds. So do you really want to carry on taking Joshua's hellacious punches? Yeah. Where you can just sit down and walk away with flipping six million just to get knocked down in this cut. <laughs> With a hotel, like with a little holiday as well, because obviously you're in London, you get they hook you up with a nice hotel, you know, before the fight and stuff, all the press and stuff, press conference and hype up the fight and all of that, knowing that you're gonna lose probably, but by each to their own, man. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, we're going to see the homecoming of him. I think it's been announced today that it's going to be June the 25th. Now, who do you want to see him in there with next? I know that it's not going to be. You know, it's not going to be your Furies or, or or your Wilders at the moment. But, of course, you've sparred with both Wilder and Joshua. Do you think that would be an exciting clash? Who do you reckon would win that fight? Yeah, that would be a crazy fight. Um, I don't know who they're going to put him in with next, you know. I was, I thought it was... I'm hearing Eric Molina or something like that, you know, or the main Stavern. I, I, I really don't know yet. But... um. Wilder and Joshua, yeah. Wilder's punches are like sniper rifle shotguns put together. And Joshua's punches are like sledgehammers that keep banging away at you. So they, they have different types of power. Like Wilder's power is really explosive and he's really athletic, but he's wild as well. You know, Joshua's a bit more compact and he's, I think Joshua's tougher as well, you know. Joshua's really, really tough. But, um... It's just, you just got to see it's heavy boxing. You know, you get tapped on the chin once and it's it's a problem, especially in them big weights there. They're basically the giants of the division. You know, so um, nobody really knows. It's, it's always 50-50 with heavyweight boxing. Yeah, of course. Now, finally, um, of course, you're unbeaten as a pro, um, but you're not unbeaten at FIFA 16. Why don't you tell the listeners what happened when we played? <laughs> Listen, bro, I battered you. I <laughs> you're crazy. What you're talking about. I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. And then you're making excuses saying, oh, yeah, you started playing different when that pool was like I gave it to someone else. Bro, listen. Listen. I just, I handed it to you, man. Stop it. We played two <laughs> games. Who won the first one? Listen, the, Who won the, the connection one? was bad. The Wi Fi. Yeah. I blamed the Wi Fi in it. Wi-Fi <laughs> you got to stop stealing Starbucks' the Wi-Fi when they're closed, man. <laughs> Bro, I am nowhere near Wi-Fi, near Starbucks. <laughs> all right, man. Listen, Isaac, all jokes aside, we wish you the absolute best of luck for the rest of 2016, and we can't wait to see you back in the ring. Thanks for giving us a bit of time.
No problem. More knockouts. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 29 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. A massive thank you, as always, to our guests on this week's show. Of course, all undefeated prospects, Jake Ball, O'Hara Davies, and Isaac Chamberlain. And of course, the biggest thank you of all to the listeners that keep this show going and make this show the best boxing podcast on the net. Thank you once again for listening this far and giving us your ears for another hour or so this week we'll be back next week again with another big show until then take care